Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. This is your host, Severin Henderson, again with another episode of Department 3C Presents, a podcast connected to fire. Got a real name now. Um, Today, we're doing kind of a collaboration episode with another podcast, uh, Within Thin Lines. And we have in person Vince Casaneda and over the phone, Randall Ives. And we're going to do a collaboration episode. We're just going to talk about kind of our missions in both our podcast, what we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish, what we're trying to get done with having the podcast, and just kind of hang out, talk to each other, enjoy the day, and go from there. So without further ado, um, in-person guests, we'll have you go first, and you just kind of explain to us a little bit about you guys' show and introduce your partner as well. Phenomenal. What we have always used in terminology for our side of the uh, the world is the art of conversation. So it is an honor to be here. It is a pleasure, and uh, truly, I'm, I'm stoked that you guys have a, a location like this. The uh, hospitality, on point. So, But uh, my name is Vince Castaneda. I'm one of the co-hosts for Within Thin Lines. Um, generally, I mean, what we aim for is just to have the conversational for table talk, you know, storytelling, education, talk about some things, current events, and our thoughts. And we always want to hear more from our guests, as in uh, other police officers, and just share the uh, story and the wealth of training. And then ultimately, I think, is just have a place for all members and family to come together and share a better understanding that it's not just firefighters, it's not just paramedics, it's not just nurses. It's everyone who carry that thin line community together. Um, we all serve the same community, the same mission. So one of my co-hosts, um, Randall Ives, is on the line with us too. The other one, Tyler Frank, was not able to come here. But Randy, kick it off. Uh, who are you and why are you part of our community? Well, thanks for having us. Uh, it sounds like I'm missing out quite a experience over there in Chicagoland. <laughs> <clears throat> um, it's, uh, but no, glad that we're all on the same page here, that we're all trying to put out some, uh, some similar content, that we're, um, we've all got a, a, like a similar mission to kind of reach out to our brothers and sisters in the field there and um, kind of just have a conversation. Just make sure, check on each other, make sure that we're, we're doing good. Make sure that um, we're up to date on modern medicine, on modern practice um, with both EMS and fire. And that uh, um, we just, we can kind of have a place to relax, have some good conversation, and then uh, also be off duty too and talk about some common interest themes, things, uh, events, um, cigars. All the cigars. Uh, all the cigars, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and even a, um, an adult beverage from time to time. There you go. Like it. Love it. <laughs> um, so I know Vince from the Academy. He was a candidate in one of the first, I think the first class I taught. Um, Randy, what about yourself? What do you do? Um, so I do me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, I am a paramedic uh, over here in the Flint area in the uh, middle of Michigan, um, just north of Detroit, about an hour north of Detroit. Um, and I'm also recently graduated uh, firefighter um, out by the Lansing area. Um, it's, uh, life is good, my friends. Uh, instructor coordinator. Uh, really want to start getting into teaching. Um, I'm also finishing up a few other things, um, some college degrees and uh, um, some uh, critical care training. Okay. So, uh, yeah, life is good, Mike. Life is good. Just uh, 
getting after it right now. How long have you been in the service? Uh, 2010. So we're going on, what, 11, 12 years now? 11 years, yep. Coming up on 12. That sounds pretty awesome. Um, You said Flint and gave a description, but you're talking about current events, and it's still kind of current. I think we all know where Flint is <laughs> at this point. Yeah, we all hear about the water problem. Yeah, we all know about Flint and the water and everything. Um, And I'm... Stoked to have you on here. Can you explain to me a little bit about the water situation, where it was at and where it's at now with Flint? Absolutely. I I was living in Detroit when the water uh, situation happened in here in Flint. Um, so I luckily did not have to deal with with everything that was dealt with here. Uh, but they're still cleaning it, cleaning it up um, as we speak. They're still working on the infrastructure and, and making sure that this stuff isn't going to happen again. Now, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <clears throat> no, you're fine. Uh, just so working up here now in the field and actually, you know, talking with with people that you know lived through that, um, like it was just it, the stories that we hear just uh, go at great lengths about what's um, you know some of the the day to day stuff that we take so much to um, we expect water to clean water to come out of our sink when we you know turn the tap on right. and just the basic human necessities that, that we didn't have. Um, and especially with all the political issues behind it, it just did not, you know, if it was a, if it was an accident or if it was, you know, uh, an attack or something like that, like at least we could blame it on someone, but it's, uh, you know, you can't be hard to blame it on our politicians that we vote into office. And you hit my next point. Cause I was going to ask who, who to blame it on. Um, and, Kind of describe the community of Flint a little bit for me, if you if you don't mind. Uh, Flint Town is a rough town, that's for sure. It's everything that you hear it is. Uh, but there's just good people here. There's um, a lot of hardworking folks. Um, and uh, I do have enjoyed my time working here. Um, it's not the largest town, but it is very densely populated uh, compared to some of like, like Detroit, which is still very densely populated. But they are, they're quite spread out. They've got a, Detroit is a huge city, um, you know, very similar to like Chicago, where it's very, very stretched out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little bit smaller, still a good, good amount of people. Uh, they're, you can drive 15 minutes and be in the nicest part of Grand Blanc Township with mansions. And then you can be right in the middle of the downtown city ish area, um, which is. Up and coming, they've got a lot of new businesses opening up and a lot of uh, new uh, things going on there to try to get the city back renovated, back up and going. Um, then you've got your, you know, of course, your rough spots, just like any other town. But uh, it's been really a truly an honor to come up here and and work with these guys. I actually came up here uh, after that uh, Netflix special, uh, Flint Town, came out. Uh-huh. And I really, I really wanted to come up here and help out and how bad it was. And that the Flint Town, and if you guys have ever had a chance to watch it or not, I highly suggest it. I believe it's still on Netflix. Um, it just follows um, a group of the Flint City police officers on a daily basis um, and kind of goes over some of their stories and just how how bad it is, how understaffed they are, how under, um, you know, they just don't have the technology. They don't have some of the stuff that we take for granted. Um in departments that don't run any of these calls. So it is, you know, they talk about Detroit being the wild, wild west. Well, it's Flint too. 
yeah, no, we, yeah. we, we have it up here. So, I don't think Flint's a new um, Detroit coming up. <clears throat> um, the, they're all the same. I, it's about the same. I worked in, in the city of Detroit and then I worked up here and there's, there's a lot, a lot of similarities except there's just not as much people. I, um, so. I have another buddy. He was on the podcast, one of my earlier episodes. He's from Detroit and he lives now in the Chicago area and he just loves, he big up Detroit all the time, which is, you know, home is always home, even though we're somewhere else, we're outside. Um, so that's cool. And, and what you said, you said they're all the same because I left from Cleveland and I worked for the city of East Cleveland. And when I got here, it was the same show, just different characters. And it's, it's, it's very similar. To, guess, I didn't know you worked in Ohio. Yes, yep, yep, yep. I lived in Worcester for a little while. Oh, I know about <laughs> Worcester well. Um, my um, stepdaughter goes to Worcester College right nice. now. Very nice. Um, so, yeah, I, I know about Worcester. I've just been through there, dropped her off um, not too, too long ago. So, yeah, that's cool. Um, so, Vince, to you, I guess at that point you can ask about me. for Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, I think, uh, you know, you and I, I mean, obviously you were my instructor during my academy. Mm-hmm. Um, but recently I think you and I started talking more was during the Ropes Tech class. You, yes. You helped out for that class. Yes. And uh, one of the other guys, Sam Nolan, was like, hey, you guys run podcasts. You should, you know, maybe talk. You should talk. Yeah, yeah. you ought to, should talk together. Yep. And I uh, got to hear a little more about your story and, and what you do and, and your philosophy behind the mic. You know, I think it shares a lot of us similarities about what our goal is. And I think Randy hit the nail on the head was that we want to also remind our service members to live because we're all human. You know, have a hobby, you know, go do something enjoyable. And it's, that's your debrief. And uh, to know that you kind of share the same idea that you wanted to. I think your latest episode that was I was just listening to was um, reminding not to let the job overcome you. Yes. You know, so tell me more about your your mission. Like, what's your what's your reason behind what you do? Well, this podcast started from, let's see, how how far, how in-depth am I going to go? All the way. Give me the whole story. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was in a real bad spot um, mentally from the rigors of the job. Like I said, I left a job in Ohio. Um, I worked for the city of East Cleveland before I got to Chicago, and it is Trauma Fire City. Um I feel like East Cleveland should be, I even pitched this to the mayor at the time, it should be the training ground for almost the rest of the state of Ohio. Um, it's so, it's a very densely populated area, kind of like what we were speaking about with Flint. Um, it had a big boom of people that lived there, and then all of a sudden they had what they called white flight. A lot of the white families moved out, left the area to a lot of the um, black people that were there. And they have a lot of pride in the areas that they live in when they still live there. But then when those older black people started to pass on, they gave they rented out a lot of their places, um, gave a lot of their places just free to the kids and the kids didn't have as much as the same respect for the area. Um, East Cleveland had, and it still might, I haven't been back in a very long time, but on fire department, on police department, on water department, on public utilities department, um, on cable company. And that's rare for a suburb in the Cleveland area. Usually 
everything is off of Cleveland, um, water, um, garbage, trash disposal, things like that. Uh, everybody has their own fire department and police department, but East Cleveland went so far as to have their own public utilities department, which is a rarity for the area. Um, so, like I said, it, and then it, it just kind of turned, and there's been studies on the area, East Cleveland, and it was very closely related to East St. Louis. So um, a, a lot of the reports, because when you go to contract negotiations and arbitrations and all that stuff, they have to look for an area that's close to what you, what your demographic is, what your system is built off of. So um, at the time in that department, we had, when I was there, we had 53 full-time firefighters, two stations, and we ran about a total of 4,000 calls between those two areas. We had two, we call them squads, but ambos. Um, we had one ladder truck and two engines at the time. Um, I don't know what they have going on now. Like I said, I, I have to remember what I have going right. on here. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to um, go back and forth. But... It, like I said, I pitched it to the mayor um, up the hill in another suburb, um, Cleveland Heights. I went to police academy as well. Um, another reason why I started this show, because I have all three of public safety, um, first responder um, boxes checked. I went to police academy, graduated. I was a paramedic, graduated, worked as that as a long time, firefighter, graduated. So, um Police and fire, 66% of the, of the service and police being the other 33%. I've worked in all of those as a first responder. So I, at the end of the day, I wanted a place and an opportunity to have conversations connected to the job, connected to what we do, but at the same time, to escape it, to have something else to do. I immersed myself so much in the job. Like I said, I was in a real bad place um, mentally. And eventually I just got to a breaking point. And I want no one to ever feel that way ever again. That's my, or, or, or not feel like they have an outlet or not feel like they don't have anywhere to go. Because that's what I truly felt like. I felt like I had nowhere to turn. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to talk to. I talked to my buddies. Um, they say, yeah, you think that's bad? This is even worse. And I was like, well, I mean, I, I understand. And I'm not trying to one-up you. or I'm not trying to, We're not trying to have the trauma Olympics is what I came to find out about. Um, and that just... I, I want someone to know they have an outlet. So that's where my idea for the show came along from in the first place. I'm excited using those terms because the escape and outlets is something that we've been highlighting ourselves. You know, it's just, I think Randy and I, he, he kind of, you know, talked about his career, but 10 years ago, 11 years ago, we initially met, you know, at that time we were both going through the paramedic Academy. Um, Randy was, I used to live in Michigan for 10 years. Um, and Randy was the first friend I actually made there, you know, on the job kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And we both talked about having this aspiration, like, hey, let's do something, you know, behind a microphone and have a radio show before we knew that podcasts were a thing. Okay. And I think uh, we both loved to teach as well. So we were instructors in Michigan and we suddenly stopped for a night and went to Best Buy, grabbed a couple of microphones and started recording. What, Randy, how many hours? Well, like six hours of content that we recorded. We just didn't know what to do with it. 
you know, so finally we touched up on it this year or last year and and made some move on it. (laughs) Eight hours, something like that. Right. We just didn't know where to stop because it was, we realized that our, our podcast wasn't necessarily a, uh, a script. It was more just a hey, open conversation. Freestyle. Once, yeah. Freestyle. Once you have that freestyle conversation, that thing could go on for hours, Yes, you know? And then, and that's what excites me is that there's no filter. There's no, there's no need. There's no script. There's just a, put it out and, and have the conversation. Cause I think when it comes to our escape, being on the service, whether it's military law, EMS, medical, anything fire, we can't just go to somebody and, and try to talk our problems away especially when it's timed, you know, when you go to therapy and stuff like that. Right. You know? Yeah. You um, only get this, this, yeah. this amount Everything of time. Everything is on the go. time limit. Yeah. And, and, and unfortunately that's a stigma that we have to beat in the head when it comes to mental health is that it's okay to go for, you know, therapy, but at the same time, a lot of people stray away cause they just, they can't talk to somebody who doesn't understand. Oh man. Uh, Randy, would you like to jump in here before we go too far without you? <laughs> oh no, he's a, uh, he's spot on for sure. The, um, biggest thing um, that he was saying that is just is just spot on is the the amount of hours that we had. We had no idea that we could come up with that much shop talk in that little a time, and then the stuff that he has gotten that he doesn't yet hasn't even produced yet. Uh, when especially when you you know get the, we call it bumper talk out and by on my, my department mm-hmm. we sit there and we you know we solve all the little problems tenfold just right from the bumper there um and sometimes we almost need to record start recording that that kind of stuff just to, to get that out there you know what i mean uh, i've obviously censored for the family and children involved but uh um, no that's i just wanted to add that in for sure he hit that nail on the head yeah we um are well my parent the person the podcast that produces the show um fire and iron media they have a another podcast chicago's bravest stories and they go over um bravest stories with chicago's bravest whether it's police or fire and when they um initially started they kind of did the same thing let's go out let's talk to people right there at the at the firehouse so you know, sometimes those conversations are good. Sometimes those conversations, well, for the air, they're good for the air, but they're always good conversations. And other times they're meant to be to themselves. They didn't put out anything that isn't supposed to be put out. But just saying that the fact that getting to speak to somebody, getting to get it out instead of holding it all in, suppressing everything, I feel like I want those days to be over. And one of the biggest things that I want anyone out there to understand and realize when it comes to talking to anyone, whether you talk professionally or non-professionally, don't just think it's a quick fix. It's a process. It's a time. It is time. Like you said, repetitions. Yeah. Got to get them reps in, got to be able to talk. And a lot of times I feel like guys and gals don't even know how to articulate how they feel like, I have I, I feel like this, but I don't know how to say or what to say. Are you gonna judge me? I'm to the point now. I say whatever, and it's just <laughs> it's just it, it is what it is. And if you look at me funny or think something bad or negative about me, that's on you. I can't control how you feel about me. I can only control how I feel, and half the time I can't control that. So that's how. I, yeah, you know, there's a point in my life in my career, especially that was like I. I'll admit I went to therapy, you know, I had a fallout on, uh, some of the calls I went through and, uh, 
every everybody's you know kind of pushed that stigma of like hey you got to go to therapy you know go check it out it's going to be beneficial but you sit there and you realize that the person who is a professional for your mental health has a notebook and they start writing things down and they're kind of re-articulating what you're saying yeah like so what you works over there yeah it works <laughs> for some people i get it it helps you analyze and assess and one of my sisters is actually a therapist so i'm sure she'll love to hear my plug for this but uh it works for some people and, and i think for us in the in the service still the number one place that all our world problems are solved is around the kitchen table kitchen and firehouse. Table, exactly. You know? Bumper and that's talk. What it, bumper talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's people who understand, people who live it. Some of the, you know, the, the wisdom from the people who have been veterans on the job to see even some of the new stuff that we as veterans don't really understand what's going on in the new world other than what the trainees are being exposed to. So I've, I think one of my most recent episodes, I put the spotlight on the importance of having the most senior guy and also having the most candidate guy because most trained versus most experienced, you know, so. Now, before we get too, too far, there's a couple of things I want to brush upon. Um, for my listeners, um, no, I wrote a book, Hey, New Guy, um, and my book is about kind of, I've read a bunch of different fire books, and my book mirrors a lot of those other books, just kind of how to survive in the firehouse, um, what to do, how to do it. All too often, people say, um, well, nobody told me or nobody is, it, where is that written? I, I'm going to eventually update it and make another edition, but I wanted to put everything I could say nobody ever told me in that book. So somebody could never say, well, nobody ever told me. It's, yes, it's right here. And like I said, other guys have written that book um, to say what, what, what you have and what you haven't told me. That's phenomenal. I think that's a great idea. You know, because we, we do find ourselves as candidates and you've been in other departments as well. So you've been candidates before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those things that like we we don't always know what to do on the job because the academy will teach you how to do it. But then it's like the textbook versus street smart. Right. You know, it's a total different. Game. Totally different. Yeah. And, and that's I learned a lot in my first department. And then coming here, I was able to use those same skills to talk to and deescalate a lot of situations. Sometimes. Um, majority of the times I'm dealing with people who look like me. I'm dealing with black and brown people. And sometimes when they see my face, that de-escalates the situation automatically. Um, I know I had an officer. It, they would see me and be happy and start talking to me. Like, what you talking to him for? Are you supposed to be talking to me? I got this white shirt on and all this other stuff. I'm like, dude, just chill out. And me and him had a great relationship. That's That's still one of my favorite officers but just just seeing that and hearing that and noticing that sometimes you know that that helps to as to de-escalate some situations what is it that actually inspired you to be behind the microphone though how'd you know that this was your plug that's a great question um i like to talk so <laughs> and i figure i figure the only way to solve any problem is by communication. So I see a problem. I notice a problem. My number one idea and thought is to have a conversation about it. Um, In the fire service alone, and again, I'm not trying to have the trauma Olympics, but we go back and forth with police officers and suicides. Um, In the fire service, we had more suicides than line of duty deaths and we don't want either one but it's not a good statistic to say we took ourselves out more than 
fires took us out. I mean, fires are bad enough, but when we're doing it to ourselves, it has to be a case where somebody can go and feel like they can talk about some situations to another firefighter. Like you said, I, I got to the point where I didn't want to give these stories to somebody else. I didn't want to give these nightmares to somebody else. I'm feeling like, for lack of a better term, like shit. And I don't want anyone else to feel like that and feel like they don't have an outlet. So that's what really inspired me to, and I listened to podcasts myself and I said, Hey, that sounds like a platform. I don't have to go to media school. I don't have to go (laughs) through the FCC. Um, I can have an outlet for myself and hopefully somebody can join me on this journey and, and I can be a, a beacon for them to, to open up and give me some of, everybody has to scrape a little bit of their, their crap off on each other. And I'm here for that. No, that's phenomenal. That's, that's brilliant. Randy, like, I guess a question back to you and something I've never really got a chance to ask you, but what is it that kind of kicked you up in this, uh, behind the microphone life? other than you and I sitting for a cigar for eight hours. The, which was a delicious cigars. Absolutely. Uh, a really similar story where we've all got some years behind us. We've all got some stories behind us and probably the same reason why I want to go into education. Um, initial education like EMT and medic. Uh, as an instructor and then uh, as a field training officer in, in most jobs that I've had, I've been able to be a part of the training department uh, where I feel as though I can bring experiences and I'm able to not necessarily dumb things down, but be able to really connect with, with newer people, especially what the job entails and what um, you need to have to survive in that. And not only survive, but actually enjoy it. Uh, I'm, I'm blessed right now to work full time with my best friend. And so coming into work, it really isn't work. It's coming in and we're just shooting the shit and then running some calls on top of it and getting paid. So it's, uh, right now I have a very, very, very good situation, um, with a very good employer and a very good partner. I think having a good partner is also your source of uh, therapy. You know, the, the conversations you have in the front of the ambulance between calls or on the ways of the call and getting prepared, that's, that's going to delegate your, uh, your mental health and your survivability throughout the, the events of your shift. Absolutely. Uh, and there's been times where we've gotten, we've cleared a call through a hospital or checking the truck out or whatever. And, um, you know, we'll be from across the parking lot and be like, you stupid mother trucker. Like what, what are, what was that? Or and he'll do the same thing to me and like pull your head out of your ass, Randall. Um, you know what? What were you thinking there? Why did you do that? Why did you say that? You know what was your thought process there? And and, and the accountability there is great. And we hold ourselves to a high high standard uh, for patient care. Obviously, hopefully, like everybody else that's listening to this podcast, but we really um, you know want to do good things for our patients, and we both have the same backgrounds have the same concepts uh, and, and idea and values where we want to treat patients the way I would want my patient, my parents or my family members treated um, in that customer service aspect, which I mean, I didn't just get in this field just, just do customer service, but I also realized that it's a big step, a big part of it. Absolutely. 
I feel like that is a forgotten part of it by a lot of people. Um, it, it And that goes to having a conversation and talking and kind of getting jaded. I mean, you keep running these same calls over and over and over. And you spoke to the education part. I love the fact that you said you wanted to educate people on what it is while they're in the academy. I mean, we need that from so many different sources, from so many different people. So, like you say, not dumbing it down, but just giving you a different perspective. Um, I know you try and educate people on the scene, and that's like the wrong time to <laughs> try and educate anybody because they're not listening to you. They got their emergency going on and or the patients twirling their thumbs like, is someone going to do something right now? Right, yeah, and you're trying to teach. Now's not the time for that. But all too often, I feel like in these professions, we get, like I said, jaded to the point where it's like, to you, this is Tuesday. To this person, this is the worst day of their life. And, you know, we just get to that point and we have to be cognizant and recognize and realize that, hey, this is a terrible event for this person. And Somebody has to treat grandma like grandma and really nice and coddle and hold her hand and everything else. Everything just isn't wham, bam, hey, it's over, see you next time. You know, we have to, we have to take, those, take those times into consideration. So I got a uh, pretty deep question for you while we have you here. I'm ready. While I'm hosted or being hosted here. Um, what is your aspiration, I guess, the long-term goal? Let's say you have somebody new come to your podcast, listen to your show, mm-hmm. right? And they're picking up your content and being able to reflect just like as you should on a podcast. What is your your true goal with how they walk away from your show? What do you want them to grasp and, and understand? Like, how do you want to reach your your audience? That, yeah, I love that. That's what's up. <laughs> um, So... The thing I want people to take away, and I'm going to kind of shine a light in a different area, just kind of on our brothers in blue, and I call them brothers, and a lot of times, it's like even to back the police is a racial thing now it's like it's, it's tough it's, it's tough right now it's 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 i saw a white guy post um anybody who wears or says they back the blue can eat shit and this was a like i said it's a white guy and he's uh he's in the fire ems field and it's like I wouldn't say all of that. I mean, <laughs> I I just I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. Especially when the relationship between fire and PD right now, like where we're at, is very tight. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the wrong that's thing. The thing. To say. So, like I said, so I, I'm gonna shine the light there a little bit. Um, so what? Because honestly, everybody loves us. We we firefighters and paramedics. We well, maybe not paramedics because sometimes. <laughs> They like paramedics. They just be mean to them. But like everybody loves firefighters, and you know they 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 do. Um, we come, we help, we do what we supposed to do. We don't got guns. We don't beat people up. We don't. And sometimes cops got to be beat people up. But I want a person, the average, and my show, Department Three C presents, um, like connected to fire, is a show just pretty much just a sevy show. And I just want to connect everything to fire at some point or another. But 
I want people to take away from my show at least or from my ex- the experience on the show is that we're people. We're out here. We're trying to do a service. We're trying to do a job. We're trying to do it to the best of our abilities. Um, the major thing with the police, I know there are terrible police officers, but there are terrible people at everything. There are terrible doctors. There are terrible nurses. Um, I know they say that's just a job you can't be terrible in. You are absolutely 1,000, 100% correct. But at the same time, in those terrible positions, we need to report and do something about people that are in terrible spots. Um, to go back to the fire department to keep it where I'm, where I'm at and where I work at. We at times have people that should find something else to do, but we're in a place that's big enough that we they can find something else to do. There's a job for everybody um, on our department. That's not the case for every place um and that's kind of a harsh thing to say and a blunt thing to say but they can still be employed they you know they just gotta find something else to do and i I feel like the same things go with police officers so to sum up to answer the question um what do i want a person to take take away from it A, for first responders that are already in the service, I want you to take away that me personally, you can talk to me, you can reach out to me. I'm here uh, listening ear. For the layperson, for the civilian, I want them to take away the fact that we're people and nobody's trying to be a shitty person on purpose. There's some of us that, unfortunately, we can make mistakes. You know, and I think uh, to the public's eye, we're seen as above and beyond and we can never make mistakes and and unfortunately those are situations we come across but i think you've hit the right words is that we are people and that's our our mission for our podcast and our our shows is that to remind ourselves as service members whatever uniform whatever badge you wear is that you are still a human being you know you go home you have a family you have a pet or whatever it is you know (laughs) you're not always wearing their uniform so you got to remind yourself that you you're not above the law you're not above your badge you're not above your job you know, just because you're the, you got so many years on the job, you can't just walk into that fire station and 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 down and degrade the the person with a couple of weeks on the job. Exactly. Educate them. No matter yeah. where you're from, either. Um, and sorry, I wasn't trying to cut. No, you you're off. good. This is a conversation. I was just, but like sometimes here, and other departments, people go places and have a name or a number on their badge or on their helmet and say I'm from here so I can tell you what to do no that's not <laughs> that's not how this should go this is life we all in this thing together yeah. and and you just hit me like that is not what's up nope. I, um so two things I want to hit on and before we get too too far into the weeds you guys show is sponsored by um, different brands. Yeah. So let's talk about one of the brands that you sponsored. And then I want to ask you about what 
you hit me with that long, <laughs> deep question. I'm not. Mine isn't going to be as deep. I just oh, want to know good. about the artwork between Thin Lines. I truly feel like the 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 four of us all together, whoever comes to our table, just having this conversation. We probably spend hours here again, just talking about all this, the calls and situations we've been through and yeah, experiences, and that's exciting. You know, again, this. There's no script. It's just having a conversation and just go at it. Un- unravel your your thoughts. And I think uh, I'm glad you asked about the uh, the sponsorships and partnerships. So our uh, our thing, and and I think we're still very surprised with how much it's been moved. And I think Randy could second me on this: is that we were surprised that these companies were willing to participate with us. Um, you know, our thing was that like a lot of the conversations. In my experience, have been very progressive when you crack open a bourbon or you crack open a a spirit of some kind and light a cigar. And yeah, you do it responsibly. You do it, you know, efficaciously, you responsibly. You do it in a good manner as long as it's being productive. And if you're fighting those demons where it becomes unproductive, then we will always reflect the the positivity on finding resources for you. But for us, that's that's what kind of cracks open that again. I said it before, the art of conversation. And uh, I think I've just pushed a roll on it. Like Traverse City was our first sponsor partnership. I reached out to one of the guys out there. and was like, hey, this is what we're trying to do. We're still pretty new. We understand that. So we don't have a lot of reputation to put out for it, but we're very interested in, in expressing who we are and what our mission is. And they sent us like bottles of their product and mm-hmm. more of their lines. They sent us cherries, everything that you can make a cocktail. And we we're pleasantly surprised. And I think we all, the three of us, we looked at each other for our first episode. We went out to a cabin in Michigan and started recording. And uh, we just stared at each other like, oh, wow, this actually worked. <laughs> you know, This is a thing where these, these distilleries are actually willing to participate on our story, you know, and, and, and reflect on the fact that we're service members and we're wanting to have a conversation with the audience members. And they jump on board, you know. So we've got uh, one here, actually, Hotel Tango out of uh, Indianapolis was our most recent episode. I brought some here tonight because I wanted to share with you, and I also want to hear your honest review. Okay. So our rule is when we ask for these partnerships or we get approached by these partnerships, be like, we're going to give you a straightforward uh, response. We're going to tell you exactly what we think about it. We're, you're not paying us technically in the sense of giving a, uh, a positive feedback. You know, we're going to tell you that our either this, this product is not so great, it's not my favorite, or if it's on the top of my shelf right now. And uh, this one particular, Hotel Tango, um, they're, again, out of Indianapolis. They sent us one of their bottles and a couple of other freebies for us to play with. And to me, this is the top shelf for me. This is something I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised. And, uh, yeah, I guess in, in your review, what we've kind of strung along is that within – Oh, zero to ten thin lines. You know, how would you rate this? Ah, <laughs> I like that. The name of this show. Oh, yeah. that's, that's like a family guy episode. They said the title of the right. movie. <laughs> um cool. Well, Randy, before I go, um, because I have a little mini pitch to add to it. Tell me what you think of Hotel Tango. I uh, am still newer to the um fine beverages that Vince has been hooking us up with uh i'm just not a not a big drinker um just because of the job and dealing with drinkers and dealing with um you know issues and calls that have erupted because of alcohol i do socially drink um but i'm not uh so i'm I'm trying to catch up a little bit and and, uh, refine my palate my 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 taste for Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. 
I mean, Traverse City Whiskey, of course, was, I mean, just local, homegrown. Um, it was it's an exceptional drink. But this Hotel Tango, um, it was, it was, it's smoother, uh, in my opinion. Um, I just do it over a little ice and just sip on it. And the, the flavor is just, uh, it's an impressive flavor, uh, especially something coming out of Indiana. I don't, I don't have a lot of expectations out of that. So <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. We love Sorry, Indiana. Indiana. Hey, Ohio people. Gotta, just kidding. Gotta gotta but. throw those shots. That 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 means they need to send in feedback to tell us why it's different. But right. um, one of the I, I appreciate what you said. I'm not a big drinker because I see what drinking does and I see mm-hmm. how it goes on these calls. Um, one of the number one things I want to say, and Vince hit on it when he first started speaking. Just, I oh I can't even get it out. Um. <laughs> Just, you got to make it a craft versus yeah. a uh, irresponsibility. Yes, don't um, go find trying to find a solution in the bottom of a bottle. That's the that's the number one thing. And a lot of times, all too often, guys promote themselves as alcoholics. Like, oh yeah, I, I drink, I do this and do that, and I don't know if that's the best way to deal with anything. But you know what what works for you as long as you don't get to the point of dire straits but what i was gonna say on i do another couple of podcasts um i do a show called peak this with my best friend from childhood troy berry we do a pop culture podcast and we talk about a season of a show last season we talked about on the show snowfall um that's another department 3c presents and i do another show with a good friend of mine ambrosia borowski she is a bar professional, one uh, drink professional. She works in bars and she's cool. So <laughs> um, she works at bars and is cool. Yeah. That's that's the uh, the job title. That's the job title, that's right? Legit, guys. That's and, legit. And we so we do a show on that. So if you get a chance to listen to either of those, I'd appreciate it. Um, but the thing about that is, so for designated the original designated drinkers, that's the name of the show. For the original designated drinkers, we have different um, spirits that we talk about each time we do an episode. We've done a Sailor Jerry episode. We've done a Ryan Hall um, Brandy episode. Um, We've done Cody Rowe. Iron Horse is our first sponsor. Um, So we've just been going through the motions with different alcoholic beverages and drinking responsibly. So what I do on that show is if you don't mind, if I do it on this show, do I, it. I read the bottle. Yeah. So is that, absolutely. Is that cool? So let me fill you in and what, what I know so far, okay. uh, just looking at it. So hotel tango off the bat, um, HT. So it's, it's a veteran, um, owner. He was special ops and, uh, kind of found a, a lifestyle and a rhythm for the skill of craft behind a distiller. And he ran with it. And he's doing a pretty good job. So Hotel Tango, that is the uh, the mnemonic or the, um, what do you call that? The acronym. Acronym or, you know, for military lingo. It's military. for an okay. H. Yep, H-, H is Hotel, T is Tango. Yep. And then the reason behind H and T is that Hillary and Travers. Uh, Travis is the owner and Hillary is his wife. Got it. Put her first. That's yeah, right. You got to. You got to keep her happy. Got um, and you know what? I forgot. We had another cross. I did. I've participated in another crossover episode with Fire and Iron Media where we did a whiskey tasting with some different um, alcohols that came in. So we'll probably look to do that again. But 
Um, describing the bottle, it's a squarish bottle with a pour on the top. Um, Hotel Tango, distilled with discipline, American straight bourbon whiskey. In big bold letters, bourbon, ready to drink. Pour with purpose, high standard issue, serve with honor. Um, it has two arrows, the arrow on the left side, this side up to store, the arrow on the right side, this side up to pour. I like that. I think that's cool. Um, purpose of contents, to be served and consumed in pursuance of elevated company morale. I like that as well. That sounds like the perfect the perfect drink for not the firehouse, but the firefighters and the police officers and everybody when they're off duty. Um, 45% alcohol by volume, 90 proof, 750 milliliters. The contents, this is the back of the bottle now. American straight bourbon whiskey, age, two years. Description, aromas of caramel, balanced by rye, best in a cocktail, e.g. an old-fashioned. The directions, drink responsibly, behave less so. Like that, too. Um, production distilled by Middle West Spirits, Columbus, Ohio. Oh, Columbus. Um, bottled by Hotel Tango, Indianapolis, Indiana. The first combat disabled veteran-owned distillery in the United States. I like that, too. Hotel Tango Distillery. Um, beverage ration, HT-BW, drink in a cool, dry place. And then we have the governmental warning on the back of it like i said clear bottle um tan sticker black bold writing and the nice font that we have there i would suggest it and what do i give it between zero zero so absolute garbage and garbage. 10 being the best thing on top shelf of your home so All right, but give it let's let's define it a little bit there but there what's that away. What's uh? Let give me an example of zero. Are we talking about oh, like man. fireball zero? Oh man! Um, Are we talking about like? Wait, James, did you just like say fireball zero? Dude, that, I, I can't I agree with that. Fight. Fireball is, and don't get me started. But fireball, yeah, it's all where all my mistakes have happened. But that's still <laughs> a two. Okay, it's still a two. Yeah, two. Uh, zero is like the uh, your mid-flight, you know, and the wait, the stewardess comes out and just kind of gives you a bourbon to shut you up. Okay. You know what I mean? And she, you don't know it. It's watered down stuff. It's yeah. kitchen sink. I don't want to. I don't want to bomb on anybody. So yeah, <laughs> right. Zero is Vince, is just as hard as to get as ten. Go ahead, opinion. Randy. Vince, you probably get that a lot with uh, all the flights you take. All these. Uh, uh, stewardesses coming up and giving you free booze with their phone numbers out of that. You're oh, just man. jealous. We was getting to that next. Oh, Especially oh, with that. Oh. Out of anybody, guess who has the voice for podcasting? Oh, yeah. No, you know, nobody I, really asked me what my story was, my uh, my inspiration. <laughs> like to get I said, we're going we're gonna to get there. Don't worry. We got time. Well, what would you rate it, though? From that zero, the worst, to ten, this is top shelf of my home. And don't give it a rookie number. You got to give a point something. Right, bar souls, you know that? You got to get a point, point fraction. You can't give it a, just a point zero. With That's that. a rookie number. I'm with that. Randy? For the Hotel Tango? Yes. I think I, was it, I, think I gave it like what, a, like a 9.1 on our last podcast? Something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, 9.1. It like uh, I'd, like, I'd like to try something that's going to top it. Let's okay. With I'm with that. I am going to give it... An eight point seven. Eight seven. I like that. Okay. Okay. I think how our you, average. How are you? How are you drinking it? Are you drinking it? Just straight. Are you, 
just straight, straight tasting. Oof, it's like put hair in your test straight? Yeah, I'm that kind of, I'm a, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I um do, you know, I wrote that down and something I wanted to hit on, and we were talking about hobbies, and I put booze as a hobby, but like craft cocktails is like, that's oh, a sure. real hobby right. of just trying to develop flavors, put things together. And in addition to that, not even craft cocktails, but craft making the sauce in the first place yes. is a hobby. Um, craft coffee. Coffee's the next thing that's booming up here. You got everybody making coffees and roasting their own beans. But I think that's something uh, we need to progress, Randy, at some point. Just make our own distillery or make our own coffee at some point. Doesn't hurt. You know what? The Chicago Fire Department just sued a coffee brand. Yeah, they yeah, yeah, they the did. Scramble. The same, the same scramble logo. <laughs> yep, they. Yep. But that was that was that was one of the things I wanted to hit on. So, um, the name. But before we get into the name, between thin lines. Let's, within thin lines. Within thin lines. I'm sorry, and I have it written down. That's the booze. See, it's right. Real, real quick, before we progress too far into that aspect. Uh, there's another gentleman in this room here who is uh, who's been such a nice host to have myself here, and I'm uh, I'm honored to be here. But because I did bring this bourbon, and because you do have a glass and you are sipping on it, you are um, your responsibility behind this show is to at least give your little plug as well and uh, your review. Well, um, I thought I was just going to be behind the scenes here, uh, just producing your show, but I did drink it. And if you look behind you, we drink whiskey here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we drink I think whiskey here. So. When I was walking up, I was like, I'm going to bring this bottle. I'm not really sure if they're going to allow it because I don't know where I'm going. Is the studio? So are there rules? But as soon as I walked in, I see a, you thought, a table You knew full. you were cool, right? Yeah. I was like, I- I'm going to fit in. Yeah. You're, yeah you, uh, you brought the right bottle in for Perfect. sure. I, I love the name, by the way. What I, what I have to... <laughs> What I have to tell you about this uh, bourbon is, for a 90-proof bourbon, it is really smooth. And it's not that they have the good smoothness with the right amount of bite. You know what I'm saying? And I really like this bourbon. And I'm really reluctant to, to really judge bourbons that high, especially off the bat, because then where do I go from there? I always like to give myself some some wiggle room in case that that over the top bourbon uh, comes up, but uh, this is actually a fantastic bourbon, Hotel Tango. I we got we got to get some of that for our show. There you go, there you go. How but, would you rate it in our algorithm of within thin uh, lines? Oh, this is a solid eight point five. Eight point five. Okay, a solid eight point five. All right, I like and, that. Uh, thank you for including me on the the tasting here. Cause, I had to. Yeah, it was. This is right up my alley. Can you give me? I know you said you want to stay backstage, but can you give me like a sixty second skit of like who you are and why you're here? Well. My name is uh, Vince. I am one of the co-hosts of the podcast Chicago's Bravest Stories, and I'm also one of the owners of Fire and Iron Media, which is um, the basically the group that puts uh, all these amazing podcasts that uh, Severin is part of. All his podcasts fall under the Fire and Iron Media umbrella, and we uh, produce, edit, record about eight different podcasts and we have everything from uh real estate to drinking which which Severin alluded to earlier to um what else do we have we have firearms instructors and all, all kinds of stuff and uh you know we uh police officers we do we just 
we want to just keep expanding that uh, fire and iron umbrella. And um, so, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, one of my uh, duties here when uh, I might have to step in to uh, do the production part of it when uh, uh, we have uh, scheduling issues is to actually do the production, which I'm doing right now and I'm doing while I'm drinking. Uh, some bourbon, so I think I got the best job in the world. That's phenomenal. I'm jealous. <laughs> you should be jealous. This is not a bad gig here. Yeah, we're, sign me up. <laughs> I love it. No, your studio is phenomenal, and I think uh, it was it was exciting to hear that we're going to go to a studio that's set up for this kind of stuff. So I don't think that we can get through this episode without talking about, like, you and I just ran into each other just recently. I know. I was like, no, there's no way. But, yes, we did just run into yeah. each other. And when you walked in, I'm like, get out of here. Yeah, no. You know, I was like, hey, Severin, who are we having today? He's like, I got one guest coming in, and he, he didn't mention who it was. And I only – and Severin's done this to me a couple times where he's yep. had somebody walk in, <laughs> and it, it was somebody that I knew. And I, when you walked in, I'm like, I just saw you. Like, I had that effect, the surprise factor. <laughs> Well, you got me today. He does. You got me <laughs> today does, for, for sure. sure. No, it's 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 an honor for us to be here with you guys. So for sure, having that uh, again, I, I I don't know. I love the way it sounds. Just put it together. Just the art of conversation. Yeah. So well, well, thanks for thanks for uh, including me in this uh, tasting, man. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us. So Vince. Yes, sir. Why did you get behind the microphone? Yeah, there we go. There's that question that's been uh, so heated. Um, you know. I was, I think the best way to put this is that I was pleasantly forced into it. And let me explain. So I knew that I wanted to join the military early on. Um, but growing up, I had a mother who was very stern, just say, hey, don't go in the military. You know, you're going to get hurt. Uh, no kid really wants to see them, their, their child uh, join because of the fear factor. Right. And uh, she had me pursue college, you know, and I think throughout um, grade school, so this this thing you hear behind the microphone, uh, you could admit it's not something you would you you would think would come out of me when I show up. You know what I mean? Um, but I think at grade school, when it my obviously my voice changed at some point, it just went from day to night, like in one day. <laughs> I never I didn't have a voice that cracked. It went from super high to super low, just like that. Okay. So much so that the first time I actually noticed it was my mother yelling at me to get out of bed, and I yelled back, and we both stood at each other and stared like, who, what is that? Where did that come from? (laughs) Yeah. And it just happened. And uh, from that day on, everybody was like, oh, you got to, you got to, you got to join a radio or you got to do something with that voice, do some voiceover. And, and, uh, although I knew what my true aspirations were and my mother was kind of pushing me to go to college, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll, why not? Everybody's saying it. I might as well go for communication. So that's where I went to Worcester was to go for a communication degree and push with that uh, that aspiration of being behind a microphone. I had my own show in, in Worcester for a little while. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, Sunday, Wednesday nights, um, a lot of music, a little talk. But it was just one of the things that I kind of got pushed into the spot, you know, not really realizing the effect of what I have. Because everywhere I go, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, you got a radio voice or, oh, do you do, you do something with that? And uh, I kind of joke it off. But now, especially that we've kicked off on the podcast and I can actually explain to them, yeah, you know what I do? I yep. do something. Yeah, I like that. It's and uh, from there, phenomenal. you know, Randy and I, we, we went through our career um, paramedic academy together. I went through fire academy out there and just kind of learned some of the ropes and, and wanted to share the wealth. You know, I was a, I was a trainer as well. And I think Randy and I both wanted to live that, that aspiration of being uh, trainers and educators. 
and we learn that the new hype thing is people listening to podcasts and <laughs> having a radio show. No matter where you go, you know, if it's in your car or on your phone, you always have access to radio. You know, so if you don't have signal, you're going to have radio somewhere on, on your car. And that's that's probably the biggest, most uh, broad way for communication is to be behind a microphone and listen to someone talk. You know, and uh, it's not always pleasant. Sure. Maybe it's not always a content that you want. You know, so you just all you got to do is change the channel, you know, and maybe one day you'll f- change the channel and you hear this voice. And you hear <laughs> that. Yep. So that's kind of what inspired me to do it. And here we are. Randy and I, we. We kicked off that first eight-hour sessions almost three years ago, and finally we kicked up again, and we're, we're realizing or understanding the rhythm that we need to have and the equipment and the work behind editing and the fact of having a studio, and we're surprised by having sponsors with these distilleries. You know, Every day is a, is a, is a journey. It's, it's definitely a hobby, but it's a very pleasant hobby for us to have. And we appreciate it as far as you coming through and getting to talk to us and bring us something at the same time. So for both of you guys, question for both of you gentlemen, um, where did the name come from? I mean, it's a cool name. It's a cool logo. I love how it looks. I kind of have an idea, but give us the real answer where within Thin Lines came from. Randy, you want to start this? No, I tell you, sir. Ah, okay. You know, um, it's one of those things that we wanted to adapt and put a highlight onto the relationships of all service members, you know, and I think at first you're going through my careers, I've learned that there was a lot of stigma and um, miscommunication and a sense of like, Hey, we're better than you versus, Hey, we're more trained, you know, between agencies of EMS and agencies of emergency departments and law and fire, you know, like everybody has their own click and they kind of, they forget to stay humble and, and understand that they're still within the same community, you know? So what we wanted to emphasize behind the show of within thin lines is what is that space of our thin line communities, which make up the flag of the country we serve? What is it within that space of those colored lines that brings us together? Is it the conversation? Is it the training? Is it the experience? Is it the fact that I could learn something as a paramedic from a firefighter or can I learn something as, as a police officer from a paramedic or EMT? You know, like just because your title says, hey, you're a police officer or you're uh, a rank officer, uh, firefighter, you could still learn something from somebody at the other spectrum of the job. You know, wh- whatever call drops, everybody's going to respond. Police is going to be there. EMS is going to be there. Fire is going to be there. Everybody's going to be transported to emergency department, doctors, nurses, uh, instructors, candidates. You know, where, where does it that what is it that connects all those attributes of the job together to to have that that understanding of, of a relationship, the brotherhood, the sisterhood? How do we survive that? And uh, I think just also reminding ourselves that I've said it before that we're we got to remind ourselves to be human. And, uh, and endure that aspect of having a hobby, you know, and, and stay healthy, do things appropriately. Um, I think that's it. You know, it's just to connect, connect everybody together. We don't want to just highlight one agency or one um, community. We wanted to put a lot of emphasis on the, uh, the overall um, service members of, of our country. Sweet. I got it. Um, so, Randy, since you didn't jump in, how would you guys meet? <laughs> Good story. So, uh, uh, 
one day I was walking out in the parking lot and uh, I noticed this clearly new guy out in the parking lot trying to get his truck put together and nobody else was talking to him, whatever. So I'm like, well, I'll just be in the nice, how old was I, what, 19, 20 year old at the time, maybe 21. I was like, I walked over and I was like, hey, I'm Randall. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> Literally, just like that. <laughs> like, and he's like, uh, and he's like, I'm, hey, I'm Ben, you know, uh, one of the new guys. I'm like, well, I know that. Um, kind of gave him a little shit or whatever. And then I was like, all right, well, we friends now, okay? <laughs> like, I don't know. It just we just kind of hit it off, and um, we're just uh, had a lot of things in common, and then we ended up in paramedic school together. Yeah, we kind of just kicked it off. Yep. Sweet. That's that's what we'd like to hear. Um, tell me about paramedic school for you guys. You were in Michigan. Michigan, yep. Um, where in Michigan? Grand Rapids area. Okay. Um, so I'm originally born and raised Chicago, and I took a leap of faith to see what career path would happen in Michigan. Obviously, Chicago wasn't. They weren't hiring at the time, or I didn't make that list initially. Right. Um, so 11 years ago or so I joined on and just say, Hey, I'm gonna see where Michigan takes me. And Grand Rapids was one of the towns that had a lot of opportunities, uh, join a uh, volunteer fire department. that was paid on call. They sent me through the fire Academy it's career paramedic for a couple of agencies there and, uh, went through the Academy there. Um, I enjoyed the Academy. You know, I think it was definitely a lifestyle. I think Randy and I, unfortunately we both failed out initially, but then we picked up, you Okay, know. it's a tough, it's a tough Academy. You know, it's very, um, Randy, what's the best way of saying it? It's very demanding. And um, give a little shout out to Steve and his program. He does a fantastic job, um, and he turns out very good paramedics. Uh, if you are able to complete that program, you either a just are smart, or b you you know you you put the work in and you you deserve it yeah he'll, um, he'll cook you out kick you out as soon as he realizes that you're not cut for it but it's steve heisman out of great lakes ems academy in grand rapids okay that's that's what i was looking for that's that's pretty awesome um i had a similar academy experience i had a guy um and i went to paramedic school i remember the reason why i went is because I went on a call as an EMT and I couldn't do anything. Like the only thing I could do was spike a bag. And I wasn't even supposed to do that according to our old protocols. The EMTs weren't even supposed to do that. But I said, I have got to be able to do something other than just stand here and watch these guys do something. So I went to um, paramedic school at our community college, Tri-C. Um, and when I got here to the city of Chicago, I was talking with a chief, and I can see his face, but I can't remember his name. He just retired. And I was telling he said, where did you go to school at? Where where'd you come from? I came from Cleveland. Oh, okay, cool. Where, what school did you go to? I went to Tri-C. Oh, who was your teacher? Mike Morrow. Mike Morrow, oh, yeah, I know him. And they, like, went to EMS conferences together and knew each other. So it was pretty cool that – um, that transition came and now I think Small world. He, now I think he's in Alaska. Um, but it was just cool that and he was like super about EMS. I remember he said people are like cars. If they got a hole in them, plug it. If they need fluid, fill it and go from there. <laughs> and it just kind of worked out for my paramedic career. I 
had a lot of opportunities to do a lot of good in a lot of situations. No, it's exciting. I think everybody's got a story to tell when they start their career and probably their most vulnerable stages is going through academies. You know, but that's, uh, I think, I truly believe that the academy and school and influence you have from that moment is what delegates your your current stance and your career from ages on. You know, I think we could all relate back to having a mentor, you know, and I think as a podcast, we, we want to be that mentor. Yes. You know, and it's a mentor where you could literally just shut up for a second, pause, <laughs> you know, do your, your daily thing and then come back to you and be like, yeah, I'm going to go back and, uh, and, and listen to my mentor. You know, and we can't really enforce things over the microphone. We could t- try to influence you, but at some point, you know, whether it's now, today, and a year from now, you're all going to look back and be like, oh, you know what? We actually learned something from this, and that makes sense now. So speaking of academies, um, Randy, you said you just graduated from Lansing's Academy? Um, the Genesee County Sheriff, no, I'm sorry, the Genesee County uh, Fire Chiefs Association um, puts on an academy once a year, uh, and I just I just graduated from that. So it's a uh, uh, not a specific department, but it's a um, like a coalition between all of the paid on call and um, some of the um, uh, full time departments that they put on for um, for the Genesee County area. Got you. I understand. So um, my purpose in asking that question is I need an academy story. I need something that's going to translate to somebody coming in. This is now at this point we are hour in. If somebody's still listening, hopefully they're like <laughs> want to be in the service already. But um, give me a good academy story, something that'll push and motivate somebody. Um. Right off the right off the um, uh, rip here, what I can think we had uh, one of the departments brought their tower out. Um, it was actually a platform, um, and one of our rotations that day was to to climb to climb this tower. And I luckily had climbed our our department uh, several weeks prior to that, so I had a little bit of experience going up. Um, this is about a hundred hundred foot platform. So I was the first guy in the first rotation. I was like, "Let's go, let's get it." So I walked right up that thing. It was uh, what, probably uh, what seventy degree angle, mm-hmm. seventy five degree angle. So it wasn't all the way up, but it was getting up there. Yeah. And uh, walked right up there, and just nobody really expected me to be able to do that. Like they, they were astonished. I just like walked right up it. They had no, had no issue, had no reservation. Um, and not that I've not, I've had some experience on ladders and stuff, doing other things, growing up on the farm and stuff, but never, you know, anything quite like that. So I got to the top there and was looking around. I'm like, I can hang out here quite a bit. This is, this is cool. This is cool. Yeah. Um, this is really cool. We had a, a guy who, who talked a lot of crap in our class. He was one of the older guys and he was not a very liked person because he would always have a story about he was the, the one guy in class he always had the story about one thing or always had the one up you on one thing or mm-hmm. you know it was kind of like you were dis- discussing earlier um it's almost like a competition and, and and not that i don't like stories but if as long as your story's got a point like then I'll, I'll listen to you all day long but just don't make it about you know i've got the you know better story kind of guy whatever so he got 
packed up and he you know ready to, to to climb this thing and he was talking all sorts of mad mad shit about how he used to you know shimmy up telephone poles working at the electrical company and all this stuff that you know this is this is not no, no no problem at all or anything and we're all standing there like we don't care like just just get it done man like right. just don't 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 fall because that's going to be a lot of paperwork on us if we fall um you know just kind of joking around always trying to make things lighthearted. um he goes up two steps and he just he literally starts shaking like he he just can't go any further and we're all trying to coach him on you know hey it's okay you know i even offered to go up there with him um my legs were not ready for that by any means to go up that thing again but uh, you know, we were trying to, you know, some teamwork, some camaraderie, because this was earlier on in the in the class. And um, he couldn't do it. So he came back down, and he, he was quite frustrated with himself. He just couldn't understand why, what the issue was, um, and that he all thought that we were judging him. And it kind of it kind of changed the, the course of the academy at this point, where we all kind of bonded a little bit. Because I called him out. I called out on his shit right there. I said, dude, and we don't give a crap if you don't do that. Just mm-hmm. don't do it on. Just don't do it on a call. Like if you're not comfortable doing it, you know what I mean. Like don't don't ever do anything you're not comfortable with. But at least you tried. Yeah. At know your role. Took those, took those couple steps. Yeah. Um, know your role. And you know, he was like, "Oh, you guys are, you know, you guys, you know, you guys are talking shit, whatever." No, dude, we're not talking shit. Like we're trying to, to motivate you, trying to to get you out of your comfort zone. Just something we were talking about earlier about comfort zone. Um, and it's important to. To get them to get us out of them every once in a while and make us uncomfortable and that's how we grow um, but when, when we, we we supported him like he was able to then kind of I don't want to say grow up or whatever but he I don't think he expected that response out of us like I think he expected for us to, to belittle him but of course you know we would always make fun of each other for little stuff we're not you know we're not big stuff like that we're not children um, so he uh we were able to actually kind of turn turn some things around in the academy, and we were actually able to. Uh, he was uh, you know, able to finish with us and able to um, kind of get over some of those issues and fears and stuff, and and really it humbled him. So I think a great way to say it is that you got to remind the candidates or recruits that it's not. It's when the minute you start academy, whether it's fire, EMS, or whatever, you gotta you gotta enforce that ice that aspect that it's not about you anymore. It's about the we, you know, it's about the class. And I think uh, they kind of pitch in my two cents. I'll be really quick about it. Nah, One no, of the best dude. ways that I can reflect upon this question is that when I went through basic training, relax in Jackson, Fort Jackson, South Carolina, um, for the Army, it was one of the things that, like, regardless of your race, culture, religion, gender, identity, whatever it is, whatever it is that makes you different on paper, right, or visually, like there's a minute within our first week of being there that you're realizing, I don't care where you come from or what you do or what you recognize as you're my source of body warmth. And you huddle with like 50 other guys trying to just stay warm together. Everything else goes apart. And you gotta, you gotta remind, remind yourselves that like, no matter where you're from or whatever you're doing, your ultimate mission is for the whole Academy, the whole class to progress together to adapt, to overcome, to be a part of what the goal is, whether it's fire, EMS, police, and just pass. You know, my my academy here at Chicago, day one, I was just like, hey, everybody, 
just sit down or it's just line up and shut up, you know? <laughs> and from then they just started listening to me and I was like, I don't, okay, sure. And they, they, I was honored and humbled and, and grateful that they selected me as their leader for the, for the class cycle. You know, it was just the matter of standing up and being like, let's just have some rhythm. And I kept telling them, I was like, I don't care where you come from, what experience you have, what, or not experience you have. We want to graduate all together. And that should be the ultimate mission. How do you enforce that in the academy of people, of hundreds of people and be like, just let everything else aside, gender, roles, religion, whatever. And just remind that you're here for the job and fulfill it. That did not happen in my academy. <laughs> I, um, we, we didn't have like a, a designated class leader. The way that you guys have it now is a lot more structured. Um, and as you may or may not know, different regimes do things different ways when they come through. So maybe one day you'll get down there and see it's going to be a totally different way. But I had that same conversation and everybody wanted to fight. I said, if y'all don't just sit down and shut up, it's just because that at that point in my life, I had been through, well, that was my last academy. That was my fourth academy experience. And I knew what it was. I knew how people acted. I knew, hey, we're going to be mean to you. We're going to talk bad about you. We're going to call your mama names. I ain't never met her, all this other kind of stuff. And some of these people just did not get that. And I said, just sit down and shut up. Dude, one of my best friends now, dude, yell back at me, no, you sit down and shut up. What? <laughs> so, like I said, we in the middle of the thing arguing with each other. And so mine didn't go like that. Um, but my my academy experience, I when I got there, I tried to um well, I already knew like from fire stuff. I I was a firefighter, I kinda had a little bit of experience and everything else. And the first, but on my department, we never went to the roof. We just, we didn't have enough people to do that. We cross-ventilated and everything else. So the first time me going up the aerial ladder, went up and didn't t check, didn't sound, didn't do nothing. I just jumped off like, yeah, I'm up here. They're like, oh, no, nah, you're going to die. I'm like, what you mean I'm going to die? Is it because you got to sound on the roof? I didn't know nothing about doing that because, like I said, we never went to the roof in my department. We used to do horizontal ventilation. We would go through, bust every window out, put a fan in the front door, and put water on, on the fire. So I, that, that was my academy experience that kind of woke me up so even though i had been through four there's always more to learn and that's one of the major things about this job they say if you get to the point where you feel like you can't learn anything then it's time for you to go 100 percent, i agree with that i agree with that all right or you start a podcast either way or you start a podcast we'll or you start a podcast <laughs> We're here today. to talk about it so um we're gonna get ready to get out of here and we really appreciate you guys listening to us for this amount of time. If you're still here at the end, um, Randy, while we have you on the phone and you're the away guest, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to incorporate? No, just thanks for having us on. And, uh, we'll definitely, uh, return the favor for sure. And show you some love. Um, definitely keep doing some of the stuff in the future to help, uh, help us out, help you out. And, uh, we can definitely um, grow and learn from each other. 
and uh, I look forward to coming out there and meeting you at some point. Well, it's my turn. I got to come out there and meet you guys. So I appreciate the sentiment. I appreciate the offer. And thank you for being on the show. I learned a lot from what you said and what you spoke, and I can't wait to meet you in person. Um, Vince, how about you? Yeah, as every episode I've always tried to post out here, I've always tried to make a 30-second segment here to acknowledge um, some of the members, whether it's law, police, fire, EMS that have been lost. Um, one of the things that I've always followed is the uh, First Responder um, Benefit Association. And I've always followed them to kind of progress and keep an eye on our members, whether it's local, downstate, far away, uh, international, whatever it is. You know, it's one job, one community, one mission. Um, so I do want to take a moment of silence to really acknowledge that there's two current lives that we've lost this week alone. Um, Border Patrol agent Freddie Vasquez and police officer Chris Oberheim out of uh, Springfield. So I do want to take a minute, um, raise a glass, whatever it is, pay respects. But those are the members this week alone who have paid the ultimate sacrifice for what we do. And with that being said, just like everything else we do, um, it's always a pleasure and honor to be here. I'm glad that we finally got to meet another podcast organization that has the same aspirations and mission. We'll, we're honored to be here. We'd love to work together more frequently, and we'll see each other down the road, I'm sure of it. Absolutely. And just for our show to wrap up, I can't top that at all i'm not gonna try um we well we had a couple of we had a couple of not line of duty deaths but just members passed away on the chicago fire department but we'll keep that to ourselves um for now and we'll mourn amongst ourselves but again i just want to thank you for coming through thank you for making it happen um i can't wait to come down there check out you guys spot and with that being said let me stop you here okay <laughs> So two two podcasts, right? Every podcast has their own little outplug. I'm sure you have one. I'm going to share ours real quick, but something I try to have all our coworkers. So I don't. So you, you don't have one. Oh, yes. come on. So you can go. So what Mine I try to goodbye. encourage, because regardless, we're we're not competing here. We're not. It's it's the same mission. Um, I I'm honored. I'm humbled to be here, and it's it's one of those things I would love to hear you say your name and also say that you are so and so from so and so. And you are within thin lines. Give it to me. I am Severin Henderson from the Chicago Fire Department. I'm assigned to Squad One, and I am within thin lines. Phenomenal. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>